Gregory. Yes, Colleen. We have our first paid sponsor. I know. I This is very, <laughs> very exciting. And it comes from a dear friend of ours uh, from Good the Goodwill Impact Center. Um, if you listen to season one, Mortimer Capriles from the Goodwill Impact Center, um, which he calls the Amazing Goodwill Impact Center. And now that our they're our sponsor, I will now also be calling them the Amazing Good <laughs> the Amazing Goodwill Impact Center. Um, it is from there, and they won the large business category at the Emerald Awards in 2018. Uh, but here's the ad. Presented by Goodwill Industries of Alberta, an award-winning, not-for-profit organization striving to make communities better through the power of work and the dignity of a job. Goodwill's Sustainability Action Plan has enabled the organization to divert over 16 million kilograms from the landfill annually, finding different ways to repurpose and reuse clothing, furniture, and household goods. Spread the good with Goodwill. And on a side note... I hold goodwill near and dear to my heart. So especially in COVID right now with all those home projects that everybody's doing, go and get yourself some secondhand furniture and juju it up into something you love. I love goodwill. Okay. Shall we get into this episode? Yeah. So today we're going to talk about municipalities and some of the amazing environmental and sustainability projects happening in these communities. And I should note that we're going to say municipalities a lot. (laughs) We are, so get ready. Um, And we're also going to split this episode into two parts. We're going to share an example of what an Alberta city is doing to fight climate change. And we're going to share an example of how these sorts of projects get funded. So to start us off, we're going to visit the city of St. Albert, Colleen's hometown, who won an Emerald Award for the Government Institution category by becoming the first municipality in Canada to own a fleet of long-range electric buses. Let's get to it! My name is Tom Kumka. I'm the fleet manager for public works and transit for the city of St. Albert. I just want to jump in here real quick. We decided to chat with Tom in what may have ended up being the busiest intersection in St. Albert. So you'll be hearing a bit of traffic in the background. But also at that intersection was the coolest looking bus I had ever seen. It was green. It had the words green by nature scrawled on the side. It looked pretty futuristic. It was slick. So naturally, our first question was, how did you get these buses? So... Transit leadership was tasked by mayor and council to look at uh, EV technologies and uh, it was around 2012 and so the EV technologies at the time, especially for transit buses, was uh, very new. Uh, There wasn't much out there Um, and so what uh, the leadership did at the time and the past fleet manager, uh, he called around to different uh, manufacturers and tried to source out what was available at the time and through phone calls and networking, we were able to um, attain certain number of buses at that time uh, from 2012 to about 2016 to uh, demo them, put them into service and see we were testing the propulsion system, we were testing the battery capacities and uh, testing the bus all around to see how it would operate in, in um, in our service. 
All right, so the city of St. Albert first piloted electric bus programs in 2014 and 2015, and no other cities were doing this, mostly because electric buses were so new and there wasn't a ton of data on how these buses would run. Not to mention that the initial investment is much bigger than buying a brand new diesel bus, twice the price to be exact. But the city soon found that the benefits of these buses outweighed the initial upfront cost. Um, well, first off, I got to tell you that I've had uh, drivers come up and tell me that they want electric buses on their runs all the time. One, one driver in particular told me he wanted to marry an electric bus. That's how good they are. The maintenance on these buses generally, they're, they're newer buses, mind you, but the maintenance on these buses for the last three years has been uh, less than we thought it was going to be. Uh, electric bus right now is coming in at 51 cents a kilometer and a diesel bus, a 40-foot bus, is coming in at 96 cents a kilometer. That's all in with diesel fuel or electricity and maintenance, all in. Um, this bus in particular, these electric buses, they'll go out for 10 hours in a day, let's say, and we'll match that the next day with a diesel bus. And the electric bus will come back after the 10 hours and it will burn, or sorry, it will be charged up with $25 worth of, uh, of kilowatt of electricity and the diesel bus will go on the same trip the following day with the same driver and uh, it will take about approximately $105 worth of diesel fuel um, and of course there's emissions associated with that. Uh, in the life of a transit bus, uh, we've worked it out that uh, in a lifetime, of, we, we have an 18 year life cycle of, a, of our transit buses. Uh, a diesel bus at the end of its life will burn approximately $577,000 worth of diesel fuel and produce the emissions. With electric bus, we've worked it out at the current prices, with a tiny bit of inflation, we've worked it out to be approximately $277,000 worth of electricity. So we're talking about a $300,000 savings. So the pilot program was working and the city was excited about the results. They decided to add more buses to the fleet and now have a total of seven electric buses. And these buses have more than just financial benefits for the city. They also have environmental benefits. Okay, so environmental benefits of electric buses, uh, we have right now 51% uh, reduction of greenhouse gas emissions by utilizing electricity in Alberta. It's produced by coal, but it's still 51% reduction in, the f in uh, our benefit over a diesel bus as compared to burning diesel fuel and the emissions that go along with it. Um, we do actually have the electric bus, we have two chargers at the uh, transit station, at the transit garage, that are actually hooked up to our uh, solar panels. And the solar panels also, they benefit because they're, it's green power, it comes in and it goes to the chargers and it's a, it's a plus, it's a big benefit. City of St. Albert not only invested in the buses themselves, but they also invested in how these buses get charged by installing solar panels on the roof of the transit garage. And I think this really shows how dedicated St. Albert is to finding green solutions for their city. It says a lot about them. The transit system at the city of St. Albert is a key piece to the city achieving its environmental goals. That's Kristen Glass, the Environmental Management Systems Supervisor for the city of St. Albert. Try saying that three times fast. So the city of St. Albert has an environmental sustainability policy that forms the base of all of our environmental goals that we push forward. And transit helps us look at how much CO2 emission the city is producing and helps us sort of decrease that emission. Uh, by bringing on electric buses, we're able to further decrease that total emission that the city produces and help 
riders feel confident that the choice they're making to take transit is a green one. Well, I mean, the city of St. Albert, is, it's a green community. It's, it's about cultivate life, a botanical arts city. Um, we pride ourselves on that. Um, we're, we have the advantage of being a, a, a small group uh, of people that, uh, uh, straight from the executive leadership, the mayor and council, to the transit leadership team and the environment, because the environment was a big part of this. Through testing and through evaluating the electric buses, we were able to make a, a decision based on, based on data, based on our real-time data, that, that these buses would benefit the St. Albert, would work in St. Albert, and so we jumped in. I, I do think the size of St. Albert um, and its location to a larger city allows it to try new things. I think the majority of people that work for the corporation also live within the city's boundaries. And so I think that brings a genuine sense of wanting to do better for their community. It's, it's twofold. The residents, there's, there's enough to make a difference, but not so many that it's too cumbersome. Um, and try something new and you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work but we tried and let's try a different avenue next time. This fleet is working for the city but it's also working for other municipalities as well. The city of St. Albert is diligently collecting data to share with other cities and towns so that they can see how beneficial the switch from diesel to electric really is. The biggest hurdle to, to sort of get over, and we're, we're getting there, is we're getting information on a daily, monthly, yearly basis of the data of these electric buses as compared to diesel buses. But we still don't know the longevity of the electric bus. We're very hopeful uh, that they last as long as a diesel bus. Um, and, um, you know, everybody's watching us, you know, because these are long-range buses. They're not short-range buses. They're watching what, our, what we're seeing both in uh, summer and winter. You know, it's like anything new, new technology out there. It's for some people and uh, some municipalities, they're, they're, they're looking at us going, okay, let's see how St. Albert does. You know, they want somebody to step in first and uh, St. Albert is very happy to step in. We, we're, uh, we appreciated that what we were tasked with and, uh, and we're grabbing a hold of it. And we've actually uh, shared a lot of our results and information with uh, municipalities, cities across uh, Canada. Okay, so this is one incredible example of what a municipality is doing to help the environment. But these projects cost money, right? Well, now we're going to learn more about how these projects get funded and who helps them. I am Trina Innes. I'm the Executive Director of the Municipal Climate Change Action Centre. The Municipal Climate Change Action Centre is a partnership of the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association, the Rural Municipalities of Alberta, and the Government of Alberta. We are helping municipalities with their climate change activities. We deliver technical advice, education, and funding programs to help them take action on climate change. The Municipal Climate Change Action Centre, or MCCAC, has partnered on over 500 projects with nonprofits, municipalities, and other organizations since 2009. And as Trina mentioned, they're the centre that provides funding technical assistance, and education to realize green projects across the province. The Centre was also this year's Emerald Award recipient in the Community Group or Nonprofit Association Large Organization category at this year's Emerald Awards, presented by Syncrude Canada Limited. 
We have uh, great opportunities to work with municipalities on putting solar installations on their facilities, um, working to improve their energy efficiency in buildings. We also have programs for uh, electric vehicles, greening of their fleet, uh, and managing their energy use. These are just a few of the funding programs the Centre offers, but we're going to focus on three main areas. Renewables, energy efficiency, and financing for clean energy projects. Let's start off with the renewables. An example is the Alberta Municipal Solar Program. My name is Mark Baxter. I'm the program lead for our renewables programs here at the Municipal Climate Change Action Centre. Mark helps municipalities with funding to install solar PV on buildings or land to save on energy costs and reduce their environmental impact. And the benefits of installing solar PV technology is endless, no matter the size of the installation. So we've definitely seen um, everything across the board in terms of size of projects through our program. Um, we've seen things like Canada's largest rooftop solar PV system installed at the city of Airdrie, um, which was really a tremendous feat for them to be able to accomplish. Uh, but also everything down to, you know, just a couple of kilowatts on a very small maintenance shop in a small town in rural Alberta. Um, those are all eligible through our program and we've seen that and it's, it's been great to see, you know, municipalities take on whatever they can with the capacity that they have, even if it's just to take a first step into exploring the technology. Municipalities are quite progressive and have an environmental or a climate action plan and installing solar PV is one of the main ways that they see as reducing their greenhouse gas emissions or generating more clean electricity so they'll approach us as as a resource to help them meet that goal. Others um, definitely don't have plans like that and just know that there's a potential to lower their operating costs and um, become more financially stable over the long term by installing solar PV. So, um, you know, sometimes they'll contact us to get uh, a sense of how much doing a project like that would cost and what the steps involved are. MCCAC takes municipalities through a simple application process to get the ball rolling which help with the initial upfront costs. Um, what we, with our program, try to help with is uh, lowering that upfront capital cost portion. Um, so they'll receive a grant upon completion to, to offset that initial payment. Some municipalities will then have a structure where they pay off the system over time um, using the energy savings that they're receiving. So it's, it's essentially cash neutral for them in a system like that. Um, and that helps them to do larger systems a lot of the time. Others uh, prefer to just pay it all up front and uh, use our grant funding to help with that and then see the savings down the road. Another area of focus for the MCCAC is the Municipal Community Generation Challenge. So the Municipal Community Generation Challenge is another initiative that we ran in partnership with Alberta Innovates. Um, and it basically takes the next step where in the Alberta Municipal Solar Program and municipality is installing solar PV uh, on their own facilities or land to offset their regular day-to-day -day electricity use. Um, the Municipal Community Generation Challenge is a program that we ran to facilitate municipalities involvement in um, development of community generation facilities and these are larger um, can be solar pv but don't have to be renewable energy projects uh, that would allow municipalities to be involved in some type of renew, uh, revenue generation projects so rather than just a credit on their bill these are projects that they would seek to be involved in um, as a longer term investment for revenue generation or 
uh, in cases where they're not directly involved in ownership, just seeing the community benefits of a development like that in their community. One of the successful projects through the Municipal Community Generation Challenge is the Municipal District of Tabor's Renewal Project. Uh, and this is a really exciting project that we are funding that is looking at uh, repurposing abandoned oil and gas wells in the province for solar PV development. Um, so they're looking to basically use existing roads and power lines to those sites um, to lower the cost for uh, distributed solar PV generation, um, first in the municipal district of Tabor as a pilot site and then hopefully to expand across the province if it's successful. Um, so it's really an innovative use of uh, you know, what is otherwise seen as a problem in the province right now to try and make it into a solution and um, diversify our energy generation and uh, save costs for, for everyone sort of involved in those projects. So it's something that we're really excited to see develop over the next couple of years and hopefully have a proof of concept that can be rolled out province-wide and uh, play a big role in, um, in this issue in the province right now. Now let's chat about energy efficiency. This is a big one because you can imagine how many older buildings there are that consume energy efficiently in all of these municipalities around the province. And Calvin Leckalt, the energy efficiency program lead, is looking to change this. It's, it can be a lot of different things. It could be something simple from just a, an LED lighting retrofit and, and lighting controls to something a lot more intense uh, like an ice plant replacement and compressor replacements, um, those types of things. Yeah, so we've actually incorporated an approach that can be custom relative to that municipality's capacity in this space. So if they don't know anything at all about any of the opportunities in their facility, we can help fund uh, an energy audit or engineering study to help them work with a contractor to find out those opportunities. But if, say, they, they uh, do have some capacity, they know, well, I just want to do a lighting retrofit, I just want to do something that's fairly simple, we can bypass that audit and go straight into a project uh, and work with them from there. So this sounds amazing, but what if a municipality has no idea where to start or how to make their buildings more efficient? Well, MCCAC has this covered too by implementing the Municipal Energy Manager Program. The Municipal Energy Manager Program uh, helps municipalities hire energy managers that then work inside their communities just like a regular town employee uh, and they identify energy efficiency opportunities, they uh, lead those projects, um, they, they uh, track energy savings, all of these kinds of things and, and that's really a capacity building program that enables uh, municipalities that don't have a lot of experience in this field to uh, not only get off to the ground running, but uh, participate in all of our other programs as well, where in some cases they didn't have uh, someone who knew how to apply for grants. So now their energy manager can do that for them and help them save on energy costs and, and save emissions. And some municipalities are so small, they only have so much capacity to work on just the things that fit their job description. So bringing someone else in that has a ton of experience in this field makes a world of a difference. So we talked about how municipalities are becoming more sustainable, but how are they supporting their residents in becoming more environmentally friendly? 
My name is Carly Beaver. I'm the program lead for the Clean Energy Improvement Program. Clean Energy Improvement Program offers low interest, long-term flexible financing for clean energy improvements. Um, so property owners can access this financing to complete upgrades on their properties. And um, it's a really innovative type of financing because the loan is actually tied to the property and not the individual. So in um, situations where the property owner wants to sell their property, the next property owner would take over that loan for the upgrade and would then continue benefiting from those projects that were completed on um, that property. So the program is voluntary for both municipalities and property owners. So a municipality has to opt into the program. Um, to do that, they um, work with us to develop the program design and customize it for their community. And then they pass a clean energy improvement bylaw. And that really enables the program in their community to be able to happen. And then working with uh, the Municipal Climate Change Action Centre, they'll develop that program and set up that application process through us. So once the program is launched in a community, all property owners will come to us to apply for the program and go through the steps to um, get their project completed and financed. This program helps municipalities to reach their sustainability goals as a lot of municipalities are trying to reduce their corporate GHG emissions, but this helps them target those community GHG emission reductions. So reducing the commercial building um, emissions and residential building emissions. So it's really a way for municipalities to help their property owners in their community um, help reach the municipality's sustainability goals. Now that we've learned more about the kind of cool things municipalities are doing and how they're doing it, we wanted to know, how easy is it to apply for these sorts of programs? I think philosophically, uh, for program design, it's really important to give people a range of ways to get into climate action. So we want to have simple, easy, lower cost ways to get involved, and then they can move up to some of these more complex installations. We have projects ranging from that have received rebates ranging from $5,000 up to over half a million dollars. So um, yeah, programmed, program design is also informed by what municipalities say they need. They want a simple, easy way to apply and get involved in programs. And they want to be able to take advantage of opportunities in oftentimes if, if they have deferred maintenance needs, uh, older buildings, things that need improvement, they can green their way forward with some of the funding and programs that we offer. And here's the big question. What on earth can we do and how do we get involved? I think the advice I would offer is that there, there are a wealth of possible things that you can do and the individual thing that you do choose to do, whatever it is at that time, that is the right thing at that time. Um, and if it's just a simple small project that uh, costs just a little bit of, of money, uh, start with that. Use it, an use it as an opportunity to uh, build your awareness, your energy literacy skills, and then uh, take that knowledge and apply it to the next project. We, um, success on climate change action will come by embedding uh, this energy lens, this climate action lens into all of the work that we do. And Kristen tells us just how important these cities and towns are in building a greener future. Municipalities are boots on the ground. A municipality is able to direct its community to, to do things a little bit differently, right? So we can ask our residents to separate their garbage and we can ask our residents to 
compost more things and we can ask our residents to not use plastic bags it's it's not only that we're in the weeds but we are also the people in our communities making the changes so um, it's very grassroots right it starts from the bottom up to make some of these changes to build a big tree you need the roots to be strong but you also need the trunk and the canopy to contribute to the roots right so that's where we need the funding from the federal and provincial government to keep green initiatives rolling forward. So Colleen, what on earth are we going to do? This is, we're not a city or a town. This is an interesting one. It is. And I know you had mentioned that this particular episode went in a slightly different direction than you had uh, anticipated off the top. So I'm very curious. I'm basically putting you on the spot right now <laughs> as to what you are going to do. So, yeah. Okay. So what am I going to do? So, um, because the episode really started to focus a lot on energy efficiency and renewables, there's definitely some activities that I feel that I can do around my own home. So ensuring that I have, uh, that my home is energy efficient. So making sure that I'm doing or having somebody come in to do an energy audit on my home, while also ensuring that uh, I have LED lighting everywhere, which which we do. We, we made that retrofit a few years ago. Um, and then I would also say that uh, because we're currently in a winter month and we're working from home, this was an interesting thought that I had the other day, um, because we have our thermostat set to go colder during the day because normally we would be out of the house. And so I'm challenging myself rather than turning up the heat, which of course would use more energy. I'm challenging myself to reach for that sweater first. Reach for that sweater you're knitting yourself. <laughs> Gregory uh, makes all his clothes. <laughs> I, I make some of my clothes. It's my, it's my <laughs> statement on fast fashion. Uh, which I'm sure we'll have an episode about in the future. Um, I think that's really great, considering I just threw you into the hot seat so fast. Um, I think those are some really well, great tech- takeaways. It's not a very hot seat right now. It's typically feeling like it's about as cold inside as it is outside. <laughs> <laughs> but let's turn the heat Ooh. up on you. Uh, what are you going to do, Colleen? So. I was thinking about this as I was editing through this episode, and I think the biggest thing for me is to just get a better understanding of what's happening in my own municipality. So seeing what sort of energy projects the city is working on and doing what I can to support those projects. So if it means that um, there needs to be uh, some sort of vote towards something or some sort of public public engagement that I can be a part of, that just knowing what's going on in my own city and supporting it is my takeaway from this. Wow, yours is so much better than mine. I just said I'm going to put on a sweater. (laughs) You you win. What on earth can we do? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Well. Well, on that note, I guess that's a wrap. That's a wrap. What on Earth Can We Do is presented by the Alberta Emerald Foundation, a non-for-profit charity that showcases and inspires our province's environmental achievements. The guests are Emerald Award recipients. 
Nominations for the 30th Annual Emerald Awards open on November 2nd, 2020 and close February 12th, 2021 at emeraldfoundation.ca. We would like to thank our sponsors, ABCRC, the Alberta Real Estate Foundation, the City of Edmonton, the City of Calgary, the Government of Alberta, and Syncrude Canada Limited. To learn more about our programs or to make a donation, please visit emeraldfoundation.ca. On the next episode of What on Earth Can We Do? Gregory does not nail it when it comes to making plant-based pancakes. Colleen comes to terms with all the single-use straws she used in her 20s. And we record our first live episode with Melissa Radu from the Emerald Award-winning Edmonton Convention Centre. 